Well, I'm so happy to see you today. I'm delighted that you have come to worship with us, and I'm delighted that you're online joining us, our online campus. Last night after the prayer service, I got the most beautiful message. I came back down to the church because I had forgotten something yesterday afternoon, and so I came back down. And while I was driving, I heard the little message tone in my phone go off. And so when I pulled back into the parking lot, I checked my messages and it was a couple who had been praying with us last night online from another church, another city. And, and they were telling me, says, when you prayed for the sick last night, we were anointing each other with oil and praying over one another. It never ceases to amaze me how many people are joining with us for prayer and how many people are responding. And there's something powerful about that. And I hope you will put that on your reminder list to join us. I will tell you what's in the front of one of my old Bibles. If you're too busy to pray, you're just plain too busy. And so I encourage you to come and join us for prayer on Saturday night. You can join us online at 6 o'clock. Today I want to talk to you about the power of a spirit-filled life. The power of a spirit-filled life. We've been in a series on the Holy Spirit, and last week we looked at how Jesus did not begin his ministry until he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was, lived a sinless life. He lived for Christ. There was no reason that he couldn't have begun earlier except that that timing of the Father for him to receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life. And we too have received an anointing. We too live in Christ. We move, we breathe, we have our being in Christ. And yet I think too often we fail to take into account that God lives in us. It's the most fascinating thing that I can think of, that the infinite almighty, that the infinite creator of all that there is, the uncreated being, could become a baby, could be, die upon a cross for our sins, and then somehow or another, by his spirit, choose to live in our lives. And the more I think about that, and the more I try to wrap my head around the fact that Christ lives in me, God himself it continually amazes me. How does God do that? I don't know. And yet there are times when I hear something, and I've shared this before with you, there are times when I hear something that totally amazes me. Dick Van Dyke told the story one time of a little girl that he knew the family, and her dad was a doctor, and she'd learned in Sunday school that Jesus lives in our hearts. And she had a lot of questions about that. Her daddy was a doctor. She knew about medical things. She knew about organs and hearts. And so she went home, grabbed her daddy's stethoscope, put it on her chest, and was listening and came running into the kitchen to tell her mother, it's true, it's true, it's true. She says, honey, what's true? She says, Jesus lives in my heart. And her brother says, how do you know? She says, I can hear him knocking around in there. You see, for all of us, we sometimes need the faith of a child, not how does God do it. I don't know how God does it. I just know that he does it, and this life that we live, we live by faith in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? We live it by faith in Christ. Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher said these words one time in an interview with the Christian Post. She said, when Christians meet, their purpose is not or should not be to ascertain what is the mind of the majority, but what is the mind of the Holy Spirit, which is something quite different. And though I 
meet with my staff every year and we plan a preaching calendar, we plan a church calendar, and we prayerfully fast and pray and ask God to lead us and direct us. And lest I lead anyone astray, we don't fast on the retreat. We pray on the retreat, but I tell them to fast before the retreat. We feast while we're on the retreat. But anyway, we fast and we pray before that retreat, and we're asking God to give us direction and to give us guidance because we want the mind of the Holy Spirit. And right now, I've got some sheets of paper up in my office that um, uh, Pastor Corey was looking at the other day and says, it's amazing. We're not following any of those things on the preaching calendar that we put up there. And it's because as we prayed this year, we've really felt the Lord leading us somewhat differently than he was leading us in September during the COVID crisis. I want to take you to a fascinating passage of Scripture and ask you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of the Lord. I'm going to the book of Genesis to begin our talk on the Holy Spirit this morning. The Bible says that Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerah Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerah came. These were enemies. These were Philistines. The shepherds from Gerah came and claimed the spring and said, this is our water. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Isaac, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. And abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well, and this time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you to speak to us tonight. We ask you, Lord, for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. We ask you, Lord, for living waters, for it's in the name of Jesus Christ we ask Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. A flowing well is essential to the success of your life. A flowing well is absolutely essential. These stories are not left for us just as a history of what happened in the Bible, but these stories are left for us in the Old Testament as the Apostle Paul would frequently say they were examples for us to learn from. Isaac and his servants had dug wells, and then at times his enemies would clog up the wells. They would fill the wells up, and then at other times they would argue over the wells. If you've been watching The Chosen, as we've encouraged you to do several times over the last few Sundays, if you've been watching The Chosen, you saw the episode where Jacob was digging a well, and there was a man who was telling him, says, you won't find any waters in this place. This is a God-forsaken place. This is a God-cursed place. And if you, then Jacob begins to tell him about his God. And the man basically says, you need to find a new God. If this is the way your God treats you, you need to find a new God. And, of course, Jacob tells him how God is going to take care of him. And then suddenly digging in that barren land on top of a hill, on top of a mountain, there's flowing water that begins to flow into a well, and it shocks and it amazes the unbelieving man. I remember the president of the college I went to. He says, any time that somebody tells you a city, a community, or a neighborhood is a burnt-over field, it's a place where God can't do a work, he said, you need to remember a real good theological word, baloney. 
God can make the desert blossom like the rose. God can cause a spring to spring up where there is no water. Nothing is impossible with God. Jesus once said these words, and it wasn't a positive thinker that said these words. It wasn't a motivational speaker that said these words. But Jesus said with man, think, there are many things that are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And the flowing well was essential to the success of a life of agricultural people raising sheep and growing crops because without a well in that land, you were going to come to poverty. Without a well in that land, your livestock was going to die. Without a well in that land, there was nothing that you were going to be able to do to sustain your family, to sustain your life, or to prosper at all. There's so much application for us that I could spend the whole message just talking about Isaac's wells this morning. As Christians, you and I remember this morning that you and I are children of Abraham by faith. Paul says this five times in the book of Romans. The book of Hebrews takes us all the way back and shows us how we are connected to Abraham by faith and reminds us that the children of faith are not those that are faith because of flesh and blood, but because they are people that believe God, people who trust what God did for them in Jesus Christ. Faith has always been God's way. It's the reason that we confess there's only one faith. There's not many faiths. The world may talk about many faiths, but there is only one faith and one way of salvation that is equal for Jews and for Gentiles, for blacks and whites. It's equal for every nation of the world, and that's what Christ has done for us. There's only one way of salvation. And the reason that is so important because to be saved our sins must be done away with. Our sins must be forgiven and redeemed. And the Bible uses a word called imputed, and sometimes people don't understand that word, but another word you can apply to that is credited. It equally means the same way. So God credited my sins to Jesus upon the cross, and God credited Jesus' righteousness to my life so that Christ, as the Bible says, became sin for me and I received his righteousness. You received the righteousness of God for your life. And the flow of God's redeeming purposes, the flow of this living water is to flow from our lives to our children, to our grandchildren. It's to flow to our subdivision, our block, our neighborhoods, and our communities. The redeeming purposes of God, the message of faith is to go for us, go forth from us. Isaac's enemies came along and clogged up those wells. Isaac's enemies came along and argued over those wells. And there are all kinds of people who want to argue with me sometime and tell me why Jesus is not the only way. And I will listen politely to them and then tell them, as I've told you before, I said, listen, I won't argue with you about this, but if you'll let me tell you why I believe what I believe, and I literally had a man get hostile with me and begin screaming and shaking at me at a, from another faith, and finally I said, I just reached out and I touched his hand, and I said, I'm your friend. I am not your enemy. You don't need to shout at me. You don't need to holler at me, and besides, you're a lot bigger than me. You could mop this place up with me if you wanted to. Suddenly, he just kind of settled down. I says, if you will let me tell you why I believe Jesus is the only way. And suddenly, there was a new openness. Because there is a part of me, when I read the story of Isaac, I'm saying, Isaac, you've got God's hands upon you. You've got God's blessings upon you. You've got an army. Teach them Philistines a lesson. 
Don't amen right there, Webb. That's not a good point. <laughs> Have you ever felt like just taking on God's battles for yourself? Have you ever felt like I could just give them a piece of my mind? I told Becky one time, I said, I could just give so-and-so a piece of my mind. She said, honey, trust me, you don't have any to waste. (laughs) You know, we don't fight our battles in the power of the flesh. But sometimes the truths that we need about the Holy Spirit, they're clogged up because of misunderstandings. They're clogged up because of confusion. They're clogged up sometimes because we simply ignore the truth of God or maybe we're afraid. We're afraid because we've heard about those people who talk about the Holy Spirit. Those people who talk about the Spirit-filled life, they get weird or they do weird things. Trust me, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. And the Holy Spirit doesn't make you do weird things. Now, there are some people that are weird, but that's not the Holy Spirit's fault. And they will blame the Holy Spirit for that. And so we allow our wells of faith and trust to get clogged up by misunderstanding. And my purpose is never to argue with people, but just to say what the Word of the Lord says. Look at what Jesus said. And from the book of John, Pastor Corey read it to you just a moment ago, but I'd like to read it again. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. So if you think I get loud sometime, you should have heard Jesus when he preached loud. He shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, or he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. Say that with me. Who would be given to everyone believing in him. Say that one more time. Who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. In other words, Jesus had not died for our sins yet. Jesus had not been resurrected from the dead yet. Jesus had not ascended. And then as we looked at last week, as we looked at on the day of Pentecost, what happened with Jesus and the application of our lives to our lives. So clearly, what I want you to see this morning is that the rivers of living water flow from within you. Rivers of living, don't miss this. Rivers of living water don't trickle. Rivers of living water don't leak. Rivers of living water flow from within you. So if you find that flow blocked this morning, if you find that flow clogged, If you find yourself not living in the joy of the Lord, if you find yourself not living in the peace of the Lord, if you find yourself not excited about serving Christ, if you find yourself lacking something in your spiritual life, maybe it's time to take a look and do an inward look and go to Jesus and pray, Father, what's going on? For you promise for everyone believing in you that rivers of living water would begin to flow. If I've learned anything as I've grown older, it's that if we live long enough, the opening and the flow of the Holy Spirit becomes greater and greater in our lives. There is no reason for people to become bitter as they get older. There is every reason for us to become better and sweeter as we get older.
Because the river of God, the flow of God, continues to open our hearts and expand our lives, expand our compassion, expand our care, expand our grace. The river's flow grows deep in our lives. We're not as shallow as we used to be. Listen, I loved being a youth pastor. I loved it. I've been thinking about my youth ministry days all morning long, Pastor Corey. I found myself singing, and I've got a river of life flowing out from me, and I could see my students, some of who now are grandparents, they would be jumping up and down and going, splish, splash. I don't care to do that anymore. Number one, my knees won't let me do what I used to do like that anymore. But I found myself growing deeper, and I found the flow of God growing wider in my life. I called one of my old students yesterday. I was picking up something for Becky from a shop, and, and we'd had a vacuum cleaner repaired, and I was picking it up, and, and when I walked out of my car, I just called an old student of mine, and I think, Pastor Dennis, and we had this wonderful conversation catching up, and so I asked them about their spiritual life. And they go, oh, Pastor Dennis, they begin to tell me how God had changed their lives, what God had done with them. They said, as a matter of fact, we're having our first small group meeting in our home tonight since the COVID crisis started. And as I talked with them, I remember when this teenager came to know Jesus Christ. I mean, far, far away from God, but the Holy Spirit convicted them and broke their heart. And they came to know Jesus and they raised their children to know the Lord. And friends, I want you to know this. There is no reason for us not to grow sweeter and better and deeper and the flow of God to increase in our lives as we get older. But if we're not careful, there can be attacks from the enemy that come that cause us to take our eyes off the Lord like Peter did in the storm. If we're not careful, we can allow things to clog up our, the, the flow of the Spirit in our lives because we get discouraged or we get busy with the cares of the world. Or perhaps, perhaps we think, you know, God, I've got this now. I really don't need your help anymore. I, I've got my retirement. I've got the right diet plan. I'm weighing the right amount. The doctor says my cholesterol is perfect. I've got this, God. Thanks for being there. And then we begin to live our lives on our own. And it doesn't take long for you to realize that flow. Things may be going well in your life, but suddenly you find yourself like David going, I remember when I used to go with joy to the house of the Lord. I remember when I used to rejoice, and some of you at home, I love you, but listen to me. It's time to get off the sofa. It's time to get dressed. It's time to put your big boy pants and big boy clothes on and bring your children back to church. It's time to gather to worship in the presence of the Lord and stop taking it for granted that you can be on YouTube or Facebook. I'm glad you're there, but we need the fellowship of God's people, and we don't need to allow something to clog up our lives. Yesterday, a dad told me, he says, my kids, I, Pastor, I got off track long before COVID. Pastor, I got off track. I, I used to come enthusiastically, but my kids don't know what it means to come to church. My wife doesn't know what it means to come to church anymore. And he says, I feel the need to get my family back in worship, and nobody wants to come. What's happened? We've allowed neglect to clog up that river of flow. We have a responsibility, not just for ourselves, but for the families and the children and the generations and the people around us, that the flow of God continue unhindered in our lives. 
You know, the people of the Bible days, they understood this. Where there was no well, there was no prosperity. Where there was no well, there was no life. Look at the great civilization of Egypt. Where did it spring up from? Not miles into the desert, but all along the banks of the flowing Nile River. We need the flow of the Holy Spirit. You see, the flow of the Spirit will remove the obstacles in your life. The flow of the Holy Spirit, somehow or another, has the power of God to remove those things that are hindering you or holding you back. And if God chooses to allow an obstacle, there's a place back home in Georgia that our family likes to go for picnics, a big, wide, flowing river, has a big boulder out in the middle of it, and we all swim out to the boulder, and we lay on the boulder and sun in it, and we laugh and talk, and then we dive back in, and we swim against the current back to the bank. The boulder is a place we've made some memories at. The boulder is a place we like to go to. If God allows an obstacle in your life, it's not to defeat you, it's to protect you. One of our neighbors, somebody careened off the road, plowed into their home right next to his children's bedroom, and so he had a landscaping company line his yard with these big boulders so that could never happen again. The person driving drunk or the person driving distracted will find themselves hurt before their child is hurt. But you will find yourself sometimes going, God, why is this boulder in my life? It's because God has left it there to protect you. There are things in my life that I wish that God had taken away. There are things in my life that I wish that God had done differently. But I'm here today to tell you the flow of God has made me more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus and the flow of the Holy Spirit will make you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus as well. Trust him. The children of Abraham live by faith. The flow of the Spirit will make a path for your feet. I love watching these television shows about survival in the wilderness. Not that I'm ever going to be called out there. But I just love watching how people always made their way to the river because if they can make their way to the river, the river has cut a path, the river has cut away, and they know eventually the river is going to lead to where there's some settlement or where there's people somewhere along the way. And you see, the flow of the Spirit of God will make a way when there seems no way, be no way. The flow of the Spirit of God will make room for you to increase. And it's kind of like the Grand Canyon. If you've ever been there and you've gone down to the river and you've seen how it's cut its way through, something spectacular. I want you to hear me this morning. God wants to make something spectacular out of your life. The Bible says even the angels long to look in, and the flow of the Spirit of God will bring life to other people in your circle as well. Life to other people. You bring life to your subdivision. You bring life to your block. You bring life to those who know you. If you have the flow of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're full of judgmentalism, if you're full of criticism, if you're full of fault-finding, and you do it all in the name of Jesus, you're not bringing life. You're bringing judgment into the world. And yet, John chapter 3, verse 17 says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. But you say, but this, this is wrong. This is evil. Brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. Sin brings its own penalty. If you will allow the Holy Spirit, he has a way of convicting. He has a way of convincing. And he has a way of persuading. As we looked at in the first message of this series, trust him. 
We are not God, but we have the flow of the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. Dr. A.W. Tozer said, and I'd like you to listen to this, and I'm just going to go to the second. Well, I'll read the whole thing. We've got time. In many Christian circles, the Holy Spirit is either neglected, forgotten, or misunderstood. The one given to unite the body of Christ is the center of controversy. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. This is a nettle which ought to be firmly grasped. A nettle is like a briar. So often Christian work is so rigidly programmed that it seems we need no longer depend on him. Yet Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And the late Dr. A.W. Tozier, author and pastor, said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop, and everybody would know the difference. I listened to a man yesterday. What a day yesterday was. I won't call the denomination, but he says, I hate my church. I said, you hate your church? He says, my church supports the killing of babies. My church supports things that the Bible clearly condemns. Why don't you leave your church? Why don't you find a Bible preaching church? He goes, oh, because it's tradition. That's who our family are. Listen, our family is not tradition. Our family is the body of Christ who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. We are the seed of Abraham. And as I said in the first part of this message, it's faith in Jesus Christ that binds us together. I don't care what the shingle outside your church says. I don't care what the marquee outside your church says. You can be any denomination whatsoever. The key is, do you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all? You see, we need the Holy Spirit for what we want to see accomplished at Woodland. Jesus said these words in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Beloved, hear me this morning. It's not an if so or maybe so. You will receive power. You will be witnesses. And just so you will know, that word power there, if you really break that word out in the Greek, it's more than just, you've heard it said, dunamē, from which we get our word dynamite. Now listen carefully. I, I don't want to undo anybody's sermons that you preached on dynamite before, okay? But understand this, in the days of Jesus, nobody knew what dynamite was. It had not been invented yet. That word means miracle working power. Say that with me. Miracle working power. Say it again. Miracle working of power. You're a miracle this morning. Your conversion is a miracle. Some of you know you would not be sitting here if it wasn't for the miracle of God that happened in your life literally this morning. God says miracle working power will take place in your life and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Evangelism is the main calling of the church. And what is evangelism? It's telling our story. It's telling the difference that Jesus Christ made in our life. My faith story is what prepares the world. Your faith story is what prepares the world for the Lord's return. Our faith story 
is what prepares the world for the Lord's return. Let me take you back to that memorial tour that we made at night. And I have beautiful pictures if you ever want to see them. But as I looked at those names, I found myself suddenly giving God thanks. I say, Lord, I wish you could make every name stand out on these walls that confess Jesus Christ as their Savior. Not that lived a perfect life, but confess Jesus Christ as their Savior. I wish you could just make every name glow so I would know who's in heaven. It was like the Holy Spirit reminded me and said, that's not for you to know. He said, the angels at the end of time, they will come and separate the wheat from the tares. Your job is to be sure you tell everybody about the good news and the hope that's in Jesus Christ. Because you see, friends, one day Jesus is returning. And I want to be ready. Can I go back to my youth pastor days and the kids splish, splashing and jumping up and down when they sang, I've got a river of life. They used to sing another song called, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready when Jesus comes again. And we had a little band that just did phenomena called Dove. And they would sing that song with so much enthusiasm. And I would look at those kids. Some of those kids are in heaven right now. But the power of the gospel was every Every one of those kids' lives had been changed because of faith in Jesus Christ, and they had a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. You see, it's what prepares us for the return of the Lord. So what do we do with this? Number one, ask for the power of God. It's always available. It's always available. The presence of the Holy Spirit is the anointing of God. There's no shortage of power. I was teasing somebody. We went into their home. They flipped on the lights, and no lights came on. I said, did you forget to pay the power bill? <laughs> no, no, my power bill's paid. And they had to go and trip a breaker, and all the lights suddenly came back on in their house. We're so used to flipping on power and flipping off power. We're so used to turning on lights and switching off lights. We never think about it anymore. But power in those days to the powerless Power in those days to shepherds. Power in those days to people like Mary and Joseph. Power in those days to oppressed fishermen like Peter and James and John and Andrew. And what they discovered, what they discovered is recorded in the book of Acts that Garrison Keillor listed at the very top of his five most recommended books. When Keeler was asked about the book of Acts being at the top of his list, he says, I consider the book of the Acts of the Apostles to be the most important document written in history because it shows how a tiny little group of people anointed by the Holy Spirit went out and faced persecution, went out and faced opposition, and they changed the world completely because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And the power of God is always available. There is dominion of life over death. There is dominion of health over sickness. There is dominion of light over darkness. There is dominion of love over fear and prejudice. Why do we cave in to the tactics of the Philistines who like to clog up the wells and fight? We surrender to the one who gave his life that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. 
And as we break the bread and we take the cup together, we are saying we want to be in that stream of life, not where we're fighting for our rights, but we're giving our life because of the power and the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Greg Larson, who pastors in the Assemblies of God Church in Chicago, said this year in January, one of their members of their church became stricken with the coronavirus, Jose Alvarado. Jose caught the virus and almost died, and he was in the hospital, and they were doing everything to try and save his life. He had symptoms like a fever of 104, uncontrollable coughing, pneumonia. The oxygen level in his blood dropped so quickly. But two days into the intensive care, as he continued to fight, suddenly Jose saw, listen, I know Craig. Craig is one of the editors of the respected magazine Christianity Today, read by evangelicals and Protestants around the world. Craig said that Jose saw four angels standing around his bed, two on his side. It was dreamlike. He did not see his faces, but the angels were there, and they helped him turn over to his back to breathe more freely. You're not supposed to lay on your back when you have COVID. You need to lay on your stomach to empty out the fluids. And they stayed with him till around 5 a.m. And when the nurses came in, Craig had recovered from COVID-19. I'm telling you, let's never sell out to a world that doesn't believe in miracles. We have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I am so sorry for hollering, but I get excited sometimes, and you do too, so don't judge me. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Secondly, ask the Holy Spirit to flow from within you. I'm asking you before you leave this sanctuary today, before this, this live feed is over, and please don't shut it off, I want you to be a part of the prayer that I'm going to pray at the end of this service. But ask the Holy Spirit to flow from within you. Jesus gives us a limitless supply of his Holy Spirit. Somebody said to me recently, they said, but Jesus was sinless. Remember what I said to you a few moments ago? The word imputed, I said, could be translated credited. Our sin was credited to Christ upon the cross. Christ's righteousness was credited to us. We have become the righteousness of God. God doesn't look at us in our sin. He looks at us through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Our well that I've talked so often about. Our well was fed by multiple streams of living water. Living water is flowing water. If you watch some of my daily prayer updates this week, I talked about that. Living water that sat in a cistern, well, excuse me, water that sat in a cistern was not living water. It would become stagnant. It would become contaminated. But our well was fed by living water. And because the springs that flowed in, even during a drought, our well never ran dry. It fed the family, it watered the family, it watered the livestock, it watered crops. It just never ran dry. Our family still talks about that well. That well was never clogged up. 
Not even droughts could affect it. Sometimes, I think that we're relying on broken cisterns. We've saved our money. We've got our health care. We've got our retirement. Everything's together, and we think that's it. And we live for all the pleasures we can get in this life because that's what the world has sold us as retirement. We retire so we can continue to serve the Lord better and better and better. The flow gets wider, the flow gets deeper. The key is to keep your attention fixed upon Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Fix your attention on God. Read this last sentence with me. You'll be changed from the inside out. Say it again. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Do you believe that? Do you remember how Peter had his eyes on Jesus? And when Jesus spoke one word, come, it wasn't the water that held him up. It was the word of God that held him up. And he stepped out on the word of God and the ocean became like a marble floor beneath his feet. And suddenly Peter was changed. Something happened that changed the elements that he was in, that he could walk upon the water. But when he took his attention off of Jesus and considered the storm, immediately he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Beloved, this morning, if you've taken your eyes off of Jesus, if your family and your children no, re no longer remember what it was like to come to the house of the Lord, I tell you the same thing I told my friend yesterday. Fix your eyes upon Christ once again. Don't condemn, don't cajole, don't nag, don't beg, but trust as you return to the house of God to worship, the flow of God will begin to bring prosperity and success and richness in life to your family. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise this morning? <laughs> and then I close with this, and I want to pray. Trust the power of God to change those that you love. Trust the power of God to change those that you love. Would you stand with me this morning? I think too often, and I'm as guilty as the next person is, we try to change our circumstances rather than ask God, what are you teaching us through these circumstances? Why is this boulder in my life? I'm so glad that boulder is in the middle of the beautiful Flint River at home. Memories have been made there. And yet, it impedes the water and it impedes the flow. And at 65 years old, I can tell you, are there things that I wish had been different? Yes. But I know something about the obstacles that God has allowed to remain that I would not have known any other way. Now listen, this is important. The Holy Spirit wants you to know what I'm going to tell you right now. The obstacles do not mean there aren't more miracles in your life. I get so tickled at my friends who don't believe in miracles who get real spiritual all of a sudden and say, oh, but yes, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Come on, get real. 
Paul was beaten three times for the gospel. Paul was stoned for the gospel. Paul was shipwrecked for the gospel. Paul prayed for the sick and saw them recover. Paul was blinded himself, and God healed him of blindness. I could go on and on with the miracles that happened in Paul's life. And all you want to do is focus upon the thorn in his flesh? Do you think all I'm going to do is focus upon the boulder in my life? There is a river of life flowing out from me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Spring up, O oh well, within my soul. Spring up, O oh well, and make me whole. That's what I want to see happen in your home, in your life, and in your church. It's why with Paul, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and the Gentile. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, there are people that are listening this morning. They're like my friend. They remember when the flow of God used to happen in their lives. They remember when babies were dedicated to the Lord. But they don't know what it's like to grow up in the house of the Lord. There are people like the man I listened to yesterday. God, they're stuck and bound in tradition rather than seeking you for a flow of the Holy Spirit in their life. I'm asking you this morning, do what you do, O Holy Spirit. You don't make us weird. You turn our eyes on Jesus. You help us work through the impact of sin upon our lives. Because as we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, we are changed to be more and more like him. So I pray, river of life, flow through this church. And while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you've wanted to commit your life to Jesus and you see all these boulders and all these things in your life and you're thinking, I can't be a Christian. Listen, the good news is I can't be a Christian either. I have to trust Jesus to do that supernatural work in me by his Holy Spirit of forgiving me my sins, crediting his righteousness to my life. And yes, sin has an impact. Sin has impacted me. It's impacted every member of my family. It's impacted everyone in this sanctuary this morning. As a matter of fact, sin has impacted everyone you know. The key is not trying to change yourself to become better for God. The key is let the Holy Spirit keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus, and he will change you from the inside out. So I'm asking you, commit your life to Christ and pray this prayer with me this morning. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your gift of love in Jesus. Thank you for your gift of grace and forgiveness that you offer to all who put their faith in you. Today, 
I confess my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that he is the Son of God, crucified for my sins, raised from the dead on the third day, and one day he shall return. And by faith in his name, I shall be ready. So as much as I know how, Lord, I commit my life to you in Christ's name. Amen, amen, and amen. And I believe that you've prayed that prayer with me. So I'm going to ask the church, would you do what the angels in heaven are doing? Let's give the Lord a hand of praise for those who've committed their lives to Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you will email me here at Woodland, office at woodland.church, I'll be sure and send you something to help you get started in your brand new life for Christ. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the smile of his favor be upon everything you do. And may he make you prosperous, productive, and better and sweeter as you grow older in Christ. God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen.